Welcome to the Legendarium. Should we make a? Should we make an episode? Yeah, let's try. All right. I'm so excited. Really? Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, let's see what we can do. Yeah, welcome back to the Legendarium Podcast. It's the first late night recording we've done in quite a long time. Wait, uh, that's, that's an interesting idea. Craig. We've been doing a lot of uh, uh, a lot of midday recordings, so you, we're going to see just how loopy we all are as the evening wears on. Uh, I am Craig Hanks, and let's introduce my cohorts here. Well, his wit is thicker than Dwayne Johnson's arms. It's Todd Wenty. Oh, so I don't know what you mean by that. And he runs mud races the way a hipster goes vegan by never shutting up about it. It's Ken Johnson. Whatever. I tackled a mountain and sucked in dirt for four hours. Shut your face. That sounds awful. <laughs> that, that's not something you brag about. Anyway. It was if, fun. And if we painted him, we'd have to call it the apotheosis of pocket lint. It's Ryan Bruckman. <laughs> that was a really big word, apotheosis. <laughs> You've been playing friends with friends with friends again. <laughs> friends with words. <laughs> you are good at words, aren't I'm, you? I'm just impressed that he got apotheosis and pocket lint into the same sentence. That's and amazing. <laughs> I love it. All Triple right. word score. So today we are talking Stranger Things, and we are grateful to have you with us. If you are anything like anyone else in the United States of America, or apparently like 12 other countries as mm-hmm. well, then you have seen this this show on Netflix. And if you haven't, then please take note, this will be a spoiler-filled episode. Yeah, there's nothing we can say that isn't not yeah. going to be a spoiler. And so please, uh, if you haven't seen it yet, we do, I'm just going to cut to the chase here. Yes, we do recommend that you go see this show. Watch it on Netflix, enjoy it. I almost guarantee that you will enjoy it. Even if you don't love it as much as everybody has promised you will, yeah. you'll you will enjoy it. Yeah, so, but you'll watch all eight hours in nine hours. <laughs> exactly. Pretty close. So yeah, go check it out and then come back and listen to this. But before we get to that discussion, I do just want to bring up uh, what we did last week uh, when we launched Patreon. Patre- well, we didn't launch the site. Boy, wouldn't that have been a good thing if we had? <laughs> <laughs> Patreon.com slash legendarium. Uh, don't wait for somebody else to donate Uh, we do need your donation Um, it's up to you to help keep this show afloat and to help us keep making it better and better Uh, I can't guarantee that we'll get any smarter but I can guarantee that the listening experience will get better the more uh, funding we get for the show Uh, so the way that it works you can give anywhere from one to well as, as many dollars as you want per episode Uh, And when you do that, you'll be charged once a month at the beginning of the month uh, based on how many episodes we do. We never do more than four a month. Uh, It's usually more like three. So if you give a dollar, like Bill did this week. Thank thank you, you, Bill. Bill. Um, Dollar Bill. Hey, nice. I didn't even think of that, Ken. You are clever. Uh, Only after mud runs. If you give a dollar, think about it. It's $3 a month. That's cheaper than any coffee you'll ever buy. uh, And we'll keep you awake better. That's probably I, not I true. Really yeah, that. yeah, that's probably I, not that's true. That's not what I've heard. Um, We're the equivalent of one good Ambien. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I do want to say uh, a, a big thanks. I, I mentioned Bill. Uh, his donation came in earlier this week, and um, it was it said one dollar next to his name, and it Thank might you. be it might be tempting to think that that's really not a lot, uh, but it is. Yeah, three dollars a month means a ton to us. Genuinely I, it's, appreciate it. Every time there have been a few donations that have come in, and every time one does, I swear I'm almost brought to tears. Uh, I cannot express my gratitude Amen. enough. Uh, so I would appreciate it if you Amen. did so as well. Uh, anyway, should we talk about Stranger Things? Heck yeah! Let's yes. do it. Yes. All right. I really want the theme song to play right now. <laughs> I bet we could do that. I'll bet we could. Yeah, let's do. It. I'll, I'll figure out a way to make that happen. Uh, all right. That'll be in post, won't it? It's not going to happen right now. Well, no, not right now. Yeah, You're not important enough for that's that. That's too bad because I really want... I, I'm hearing it in my head. <laughs> <laughs> 
do we want to talk about the music first or save that for a minute? Uh, there's a lot of things that everybody's talking about. The music is one of them. Let's let's save that for a minute. Let's just talk generally speaking. Uh, I, I know that we all enjoyed it, but let's talk about how much uh, and, and try to try to quantify that a little bit. I will say that I, I'm not shy about how much I love this show. I would put it in the top 10, maybe the top five moving pictures that's ever been placed in front of my eyes. Wow. wow. Yeah. Do you break, well, I was going to say, do you break down the Lord of the Rings into, or is that one? Uh, that's just one. That's just me. one. Okay. Yeah. I was just curious because I'm like, that's really high praise if you've got three <laughs> Lord of the Rings and then this. No, it's just, there was something joyful about it. I had mm -hmm. such a good time watching it, which is interesting because it did get pretty dark and mysterious, yeah. but there was so much fun involved in the making and the watching of this yeah. show. I don't know, Todd, what did you think? Um, I was going to say that I liked it better than I liked 80s hair bands and that's saying something really um, it, it, no it really is saying something um, but I but I liked it on two levels one one level that I liked it on was that it was a, a real fun nostalgia trip for me because I, I lived all of those years and we'll probably talk about that a little bit too um, I mean I guess a lot of people lived those years but but I felt like I was watching your, your childhood I, I was watching my junior high years play out in front of me including the fight where I have to try and figure out how to handle a kid who's going to beat the crap out of me and figure out a way to make him pee his pants. Um, but the other the other thing that I really liked about it was um, I generally don't like horror films, and I really enjoyed this one. Yeah. And I, I want to talk about why when we get there. Yeah, I, I don't know that I would call this a horror I would film. probably call it more suspense. But Ken, what did you horror. think of I, Stranger Things? I liked it a lot. I Probably less than you. Okay. I mean, I saw a lot of nines and stuff. I, I, if we go on a scale of 10, I would probably give it an eight. And I I liked it a lot. It was probably, I would say, the second best thing I've seen this year. How's that? Uh, next to what? I love Civil War more. I mean, Oh, really? I'm, oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Just, okay. Just because okay. I'm, you know. Ryan, what did you me. think of Stir Ranger Things? Stir Ranger Things? That's right. Stir Ranger. Ranger Danger. Like Stranger Danger. <laughs> cooking show parody or something. Um, I really, really liked this. Uh for many reasons, but the first and foremost was the immediate sense of nostalgia from the moment that the credits start rolling. Mm -hmm. um, and the homage to everything and to every movie that I that I loved growing up. Um, basically, I've, I've read a few other people who have said this, uh, but if you take three of the greatest uh, entertainment names that have come, that came out of that time period, Steven Spielberg, Stephen King, I'm trying to remember the composer's name. Uh, I want to say it's like Harold Faltemeyer. I was thinking Axel F, but that's all right. No, but this basically this was like a major homage to the greatest things that came up from that time period. And I happen to love it. I am the sort of person who also, you know, fair warning, I enjoyed The Last Starfighter, so take that for a while. I loved The Last Starfighter. I hate The Last Starfighter so much. Todd and I are of that generation, though. I looked for that game. Oh, man. I tried finding it. I love that. It doesn't wear as well now that I'm an adult, but that's what Here's a question that... That I don't see answered very well on the web. I know there have been a few that have attempted it, but let's try it here on the Legendarium. You've all mentioned the nostalgia thing. Yeah, that, oh, that yeah. wasn't so much a factor for me, and I can explain all that later if we want. But let me ask you this: When is it reference, and when is it ripoff? Because I felt like it, it, he, he, they, the Duffer Brothers did a really great job referencing a lot of things without feeling like it was a total ripoff, with the, maybe a, a couple of exceptions. Honestly, that was the top of my things I liked list for the show. I, I made a whole list of, of things I liked, things I didn't like, and, you know, uh, kind of as I watched the show, and that was the top of the things I liked, is that it it referenced a lot of 80s stuff without feeling like it was blatantly... Bashing you over the head with Yeah, it. exactly. He's like, look look at this thing from the 80s. You know, there wasn't a kid playing with a Rubik's Cube, for example, or, or any of that stuff. But there was a lot of things that anybody from the 80s is going to recognize and say, oh, yeah, I remember that. Oh, yeah, I remember that. And it was it, – they did a very good job of integrating it into the story without making the focus of the story look at all this 80s stuff. And it didn't draw away from the suspense. And it, it kept you engaged in the story. 
I think there are two things about the about that that works for me is one <coughs> the references aren't stereotypes generally speaking like you said about the Rubik's cube there are a lot of things that were referenced and that were in terms of the look the co- the costuming even the way the everything shot very 80s esque in that but not necessarily you know, we're not looking at neon jackets and, you know, a lot of things that people right. generally assume are that are stereotypes of the 80s, which really they're kind of outliers. Uh, but the other thing is that nothing, none of those things were crutches. I don't feel like the story had to hinge on this being a, an 80s reference. I yeah. like that. Yeah. I'll give yeah, you, I like that. I'll give you the counter, uh, the counter example that did it all wrong. X-Men. Apocalypse, there you know the kids in in Michael Jackson jackets and yeah all of that. It's just blatant hitting you over the head with look. This movie's set in the eighties. The most blatant thing in this was probably the fact that they were all Dungeons and Dragons nerds, and that was a key point of the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll buy that. But yeah, I, that's my main thing is just that it didn't feel like anything was. It wasn't desperately needing to be. This is an eighties reference. It was just nice that it was there as part of the story. Yeah. All right, Todd. What do you think? When is it reference and when is it ripoff? I think it's ripoff when it's trying to claim that everything was better then and this is why. When it's trying to when it's trying to preach at you that all of that was so good um, because it was just an it, it was just a time. Um, there there are there are, and and for me here's and 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 I think one of the things that's interesting about the difference between nostalgia and a period piece is if you lived it. Um, you know, for for you guys um, growing up in growing up in the '80s, um, your experience of growing up in the '80s was very different than my experience for the '80s. Well, I was like five. Or Our whatever. experience in the '80s. Our experience in the yeah. '80s. Sorry about that, Ken. We. Yeah. Yeah. We. Uh, yeah, for anybody you, listening you, who Goose. is not yet familiar with this concept, Ken and Todd are old, and me and Ryan are super young and virile. That's for our new listeners. Yeah, <laughs> and for those in Sweden wishing that they were out of out of prison They're, by now. Craig um, and Ryan are young, at least. the the uh, the The fun thing about it for me was I watched I'm virile. that, and I saw every experience. I, like I said, I those that was my life. I yeah. was watching my life play out. Um, Whereas for for other people, if they want to turn around and they want to say, oh, look at the 80s. It was such a wonderful time. It was such an idyllic time. No, it wasn't. There were monsters like eating people all over the place. It was. It, it, it sucked. It was a time of the Cold War. There were some there were some really clever references to the Cold War, to the Star Wars program that Reagan had tried to put into place, to the concerns that we all had about uh, nuclear proliferation and the, the advent, the very real advent or possible advent of uh, uh, nuclear war and a mutually mutually assured destruction. There were a lot of, and and some of them were very just expertly woven into average talk. And for me, that made it nostalgic because it referenced back what I knew. Yeah, and I I think you hit on it there because for me, it was a period piece. This was several years before I was born. And so while I, I knew... Uh, you know the way that you do if you grew up a few years later i knew about those things i'd absorbed some of them but like et is a big part of what this show drew from but for me you know i saw it when i was a kid but i haven't seen it in a long long time Mm -hmm. and so when there's the shots of the kids riding their bikes with the banana seats and everything yeah, it kind of triggers a little something, but I don't get this sense of, oh my gosh, that's just like that shot in E.T. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I remember having a banana bike as a kid, but, you know, that's about as far as I, I go. Yeah. Anyway. Let me ask you guys this. Do you think that this story, that this show would have worked in the 80s? I'm not talking like period piece. I'm saying that... If this were to have been filmed and released in the 80s as a miniseries on television or something like that, would it work? In the 80s? Uh, Great question. Um, I, yeah, I, th- I do. I, I do. think there are things about it that would have worked. I think there are pieces of the storytelling that they would have had to have adjusted. Um, the craziness of the mom uh, would not have flown as well in the 80s. Um, and the and the really messed up nature of the family would not have worked quite as well in the '80s. They would have had to downplay that a little bit, because in the '80s we didn't we we weren't quite as obvious about it. Didn't acknowledge it as much. Yeah, but I mean, but it could still have been there. And I think the rest of the storytelling would have been very much in play. It was very suspense. It was suspenseful enough that it really could have played as 
one of those uh, a show of the week miniseries type things that that were popular in the 80s because we only had you know three three channels three channels three and channels. a fledgling you know cable slash satellite well, dish network it every was now and again you you know you tune into pbs once in a while when you really wanted to watch you know something different that's right but it, it was very much the kind of show that could have played as one of those special miniseries events abc's on CBS movie of the week yeah i don't for me i think that it would have worked mostly but i don't think our heroes are our kids would be the heroes in the story then because it's one thing for us now, I think, with such a proliferation of geek and nerd culture becoming so accepted and mainstream that wasn't quite existing then. Yeah. I don't know that they could have been. They could have carried a plot line piece there. Quite oh, the same. Oh man, I see, and I, I wonder. That's a very good point. The opposite. Actually. I wonder if the opposite was true, I, where there were some adults in this movie, or in the, I, uh, let's be honest, it's an eight-hour movie. There were some adults in Stranger Things that were uh, heroic. Uh, and interesting whereas in the 80s at least in the mem- in the movies that i'm remembering from the 80s the kids are always the heroes and the it's, adults it's are the, always after them it's not necessarily the fact that I, not the kid the fact that it's the kids that are the heroes in, that i'm having issue with it's that it's their culture i would think that you would be seeing steve you'd see the the two teenage ones be more of a like they would be carrying more of the weight oh i see what you're saying yeah. so it'd be more nightmare on elm street and less et yes, yes. Okay. Maybe. 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 Um, I remember uh, a couple of films in the 80s that dealt with the Dungeons and Dragons issues. And I, I will say that one of the things that I really liked about this film is that, and, and not just E.T., because that's the one that everybody else remembers, but I remember a few that my, my parents sent me down afterwards and they said, now, Todd, we need to have a conversation about the amount of time that you're spending playing Dungeons and Dragons with your strange friends. Yep. Um, <laughs> and yeah, they actually sounded like that. My parents don't listen to the podcast, so I don't have to worry about the ramifications of that. Um, <laughs> but but there, was a, there was a lot of... I really hope Todd's parents aren't dead, because that would be dark. They're not. They're they're, oh, they're okay. still alive. They're still alive. All right. What um, kind of listeners are we drawing? But they, uh, they, they, they really, there really were some concerns about how much time, about how much involvement, and about whether or not the the line between fantasy and reality was being blurred too much mm-hmm. by playing these games. And so the thing that I, one of the things that I really loved about it was that these kids were very aware that there was a line between those two. But unfortunately, the line crossed them. They didn't cross the line. The mm-hmm. line crossed them, and they responded to it the same way that I did when I was growing up. Everything I learned about how to handle emergency situations, I learned by playing Dungeons & Dragons. <laughs> <laughs> I really appreciated the fact that it became a communication point um, between yeah. um, Eleven and them, like, to explain the... Uh, the upside, the down. upside down, yeah. And what was the creature's name? The Gorgon, the, 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 the Demigorgon, Demigorgon, Demigorgon. Yeah, yeah. The, the, this became the way they reference the creature and this other world and everything. I was like, I, that's how I think that's how the, uh, a kid like that would communicate in that you know in in that situation. Let's find a, a, a common piece here as a game. Let's let me show you. I I loved that moment. Well, it, it, did Dungeons and Dragons have game pieces like that? Yes. Oh, oh yeah. I did. Okay. I spent many hours painting small lead figures. Because <laughs> when we played, you didn't bring out any lead figures. I figured I could only push you guys so far in the first episode that we were doing <laughs> with the, that. By the way, quick D and D timeout. Tommy, who's been on a few episodes with us, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, would really like to play. Dungeons and Dragons for the first time. <gasps> oh, we have another so newbie. I, I told him, yeah, we're gonna have to do another afternoon oh. episode or something, oh. complete with hexagonal map and lead figurines. Anyway, oh, pewter figurines. I'll bring. I'll bring all of my figurines. How how nerdy do Ryan and I have to actually be? to be 30 years old and like really excited about playing Dungeons and Dungeons and Dragons for the first time or the second time. I don't know. How how nerdy am I that I'm 47 and I'm still excited about it? Uh, Yeah, but for you, like it's what we were talking about earlier. It's a nostalgia trip. And for us, it's just, no, this was awesome. It was so much fun. (laughs) Anyway, let's move on. Uh, And back to Stranger Things. Uh, What points do you guys have that you want to bring up? Uh, what, What did you like or dislike about the show? Okay, so here's here's one of the things that for me was was really powerful. Um, the '80s was a was a period of time when horror flicks, slasher flicks, started really coming into their own. Halloween, Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, yeah, I mean, take your Leprechaun pick. Friday the Thirteenth, um, Chucky. I mean, Bride of Chucky. I mean, I, and, ooh, and ooh, speaking Chucky. of Stephen King, what was that awful, awful truck? 
movie, Maximum Overdrive. Maximum <laughs> Overdrive, right, yeah. Christine. Yeah. Now, I I saw I, I I saw Christine, or no, I saw Carrie uh, in 1982 uh, on television, the Sissy Spacek, Spacek version, and I remember not being able to move out of my seat because my parents were not home. It was dark. And the scene at the very end of that particular film had me so freaked out that I was afraid to put my foot on the floor. Um, horror films and I have Ooh, never... Ooh, kind of like Tremors when I saw Tremors. Stephen King is, is phenomenal. He is, he is the master of horror and suspense. And I, I have struggled with horror films my entire life. There, I've never liked gore films because that's not my deal. I've never liked occult horror films because that's, that's not, my, not your deal because that's really not my deal but i like suspense and suspense horror films always seem to bleed into gore or bleed into a cult this one did a wonderful job of bleeding into science fiction which had me passionately passionately watching this and loving every minute of it it wasn't about ghosts it wasn't about demons coming up from hell and they were going to eat me f and and consume my soul it was about another dimension no that's my job where it and you do it so well <laughs> it was about another dimension and i was so totally bought into this to the point where i i was i was going to watch an episode while i was waiting for auditions to occur in a haunted theater and i decided i could not bring myself to watch this in a haunted theater and as soon as I went in to conduct the rest of the auditions, the lights were flickering in this theater, and we were having problems with one of the speakers. And <laughs> the other person that was in there with the, with me for those auditions looked at me and said, I just saw Stranger Things. And I said, we need to leave this room right now. <laughs> really, really. But it made me feel like, yeah, I can really enjoy this. So was this a, a horror show for you guys, Ryan and, and Ken? No, it was just suspenseful. I mean, there there were some horror elements like the, you know, the uh, creature pulling out of the wall, that sort of thing. Things that have been kind of staples in, in horror films, but it was really more suspenseful than actual horror, I'm going to scare yeah. you type thing. If I had to put the DVD on my shelf in between a horror and suspense section, it that it would sit right on the line between the two. Yeah. It would bridge the two. Um, you know what it reminded me of? It, it reminded me of Jaws in that I think it was a movie that was intended to have more monster, but budgetary concerns made them cut a lot of that to uh, much to the strength of the show. Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. I would say that that was one of its huge strengths was that you spent most of your time trying to get a good glimpse. Yeah. Yep. And and even by the end of the show, yeah, up until the last episode, you don't really know quite what this thing looks like, but you're terrified of it. So it I'm using great. just so we're all on the same page. I'm using the definition of horror as. And this is, I'm, I'm pulling this from, from Wikipedia, from Wikipedia, a film genre seeking to elicit a negative emotional reaction from viewers by playing on the audience's primal fears. Um, the fear of being alone after dark and something happening that you have no control over. Those were, those were very much a part of my life growing up. All right. Uh, what else do you guys want to talk about with this one? What there didn't, what didn't you like? Uh, before we get into that all right oh, okay but yeah shelve that because i've got at least one i got one i got one I, yeah i think we all do and they're probably actually not too far from each other um there are sequences in this film and the one that comes to my mind uh that just elicit a very emotional reaction i don't know exactly how to describe it when she starts communicating with her son using the lights like some of the different sequences, like when she's in the room surrounded by the lamps and the lights are spinning or whatever. And then when she gets to the point where she's painting on the wall, like to me, I just started to get so excited mm -hmm. seeing those sequences <laughs> yeah. just be just, yeah, I don't know exactly why. Like that, there's nothing about that that really should elicit an emotional response, but I got excited. I think, I, and I'm about to say things that will fly in the face of this, but that moment at least, great performance. She did a great performance, and I actually read something interesting about that scene, the Christmas light scene, when she's huddled in the closet uh, or whatever it is, and she's holding the lights. Uh, it The flicker of the lights was actually being done manually by one of the Duffer brothers. Mm -hmm. uh, as he was directing the scene, he was flicking the lights, so it, it, it has a real conversational feel to it. It, it. I think it has something real there that comes through really well. I, I like that little detail. I loved her performance. 
I actually didn't. Really? I Now, let me make this clear. I did not hate her performance. Right. I even liked her performance. However, I am not sure that they did her a great service in making her basically one note through the entire thing. She comes in pretty much at 11 on this in the in the crazy freaked out mom thing and you know from episode one all the way through to the end she is a wreck uh, mm-hmm. at, and turned all the way up to 11 so i yeah. had a little bit of a tough time with that where i got tired of watching winona Ryder, mm-hmm. even though i liked what she was doing i got sick of it interesting Does that makes sense i very yeah, much it, agree with I, you. I, I understand it i i'll say i understand it that's about where, uh, where i say but it. you disagree I liked it. No, I don't disagree, other than the fact that I totally bought it. Yeah. You're tuned up to 11. I have a son, and I am... I freak out. I am way overprotective. Oh, dude. Yeah, you're preaching to the choir there. And so, for me, the moment, like, there's not a lot of build to the craziness for her, but there wouldn't take a lot of build for me to hit that 11, Mm. and from that point on to be driven that much i think the it might have been nice to maybe see i don't know i felt like when she when she started to have the breakthroughs like that those meant something you know you do have the try fail cycle she finally gets to the point where she can see him through the wall you know and she's trying to break through and it just totally destroys her when she goes back and she just puts a hole in the wall and he's yeah, not yeah that's pretty good isn't it? Uh, and and i've seen i've, I've seen winona Ryder do some things that i that i that i said to myself wow she's really lost her ability to to kind of carry some things, and this for me was a was a real good opportunity to see and remember how good an actress she can be when given some real powerful stuff. I liked one of the things that I liked about it was that I didn't feel like it was one note. There was certainly crazy, but there were underpinnings of her crazy. At one point, it is. Um, stressed. She's she's so crazy because she's stressed. At another moment, it's because of the guilt that she feels that she's been abandoning her children. At the next moment, it's the it's the absolute loss of not being able to com- to uh, to save him. It's not guilt. It's loss. I mean, I I and and maybe it's because I've been looking at it from a from a different angle, from a performance angle, or from a from a directing angle. But I saw lots of nuance in her performance that I really enjoyed. So. I, maybe I'm looking at it different, but I, I really yeah. enjoyed it. I'm, I'm not saying I, I disagreed with it was done well, and I'm not saying I disagree with her. Perf- I don't remember what we were talking about. But what do you disagree with, Ken? I, Ken, my, my, Ken, hey, use your words, buddy. Use your words. I'm just getting so... No. My, Put the fist um, down. Put the fist down. No, my disagreement is is more on the, the, I guess, on the script writing or the directing angle in the sense that I just got tired of watching her be crazy i get it so, i get it i totally get but that, it but that's all i mean i thought winona Ryder did a fantastic job i mean we haven't seen a performance tell you whose performance i loved um and i'm trying to remember his name i'm just looking it up the now sheriff. david harbour the sheriff yes i yeah. uh, that was a great there, there i think there were two things that i remember really clearly as tropes being turned on their heads one was the uh jackass boyfriend who turns out to help you know he becomes helpful and uh, mm-hmm. they stay together in the end so that was a reversal of what you would have normally seen in the 80s and then the sheriff <clears throat> who comes in as the regular alcoholic bumbling sheriff who doesn't take anything seriously and he's supposed to stay that way but he actually becomes really engaged really interested in everything that's going on loved that and stayed that way all the way to the end he yeah. did a good job I'll, I'll tell you one of the things that i liked that turned the 80s and he, and he had a great backstory too yeah, he did. That that you never they never bother to give you too much of it. He never becomes the focus of the show, but he has some depth to him that makes him interesting to watch. Give you they, just enough to make you understand why he is. Yeah, yeah, and and why he was able to do some of the things that he did. Right. Why he why he knew to do some of the things that right. he knew how to do. Right. One of the things that I that I was watching this and I said, yeah, this would never have happened in the eighties. Was uh, watching the the uh wheeler sister what was her name nancy nancy yeah go back to steve yeah in the 80s she oh, would have right. gone to jonathan she yeah. would have wound up with jonathan that's just kind of how it ran well, yeah in the that's 80s. what i'm talking about and, and you know what it's better that she didn't i so that much kid is it because everybody in the 80s would have watched that and would have gone nah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but 
Uh, never mind. That's 80s stuff that I don't know enough about to comment on. Uh, Ryan, you look like you're about to say something. Uh, no, I was oh, just, just prepping. So the, the part that I didn't care for much, I, I'm trying to find a purpose for their bully. Uh, the uh, What's his name? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, the bully. Oh, oh yeah, the, the Troy. Bully. The one that pees himself and then inexplicably shows up on the side of the road with a knife to make the kid jump at the... That's oh, because you didn't yeah. grow up in the 80s, buddy. Like, I, I get the... I get, like, I, these I kids was, would I have was a, his bully, by the way. I believe that. Yeah. I really believe that. I get that. that the kids would have a bully, but I'm trying... Like, just in terms of where what that drove in the story... Yeah, I... It only drove them to the scene on the side of the cliff, in my opinion. Like, I can't think of anything that the bully drove them to. Um, well, that would be one of those things where... Uh, you could argue that shooting a, a 400 minute movie is too much and and maybe there were some things that felt like filler I think mm-hmm. that would be a fair criticism uh, I, I didn't feel like it was too long personally no. but yeah. there, but there were some moments where it got stretched out and maybe there were some things that didn't need to be there they could have yeah. cut that part though I the episode times were pretty diverse i mean there was one that was 42 minutes there was one that was 54 minutes there was one that was over an hour i mean so they had a lot of room to juggle with i just thought past the point where she forces him to or manipulates him to pee himself i we didn't need to see him on the edge of the cliff so she could use her telekinetic powers to save him you know it just seemed unnecessary to me well but so the so the question is speaking of 11 so the question is do we need it or did it add to the story did I don't it, think add it added anything I, you know i think it's i think it did serve as uh maybe an overly dramatic or a, 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 an oddly visualized portrayal of her ramping up her powers uh, to, you know, from being able to make something float, you know, she can turn the lights on and off or whatever, or shut the door, and then me- being able to make a kid pee himself, and then making uh, another kid float to flipping a truck over on the road. You know, there's a, a nice ramp up, so maybe that's the purpose of it. Do I, I don't know if you buy that, but... Well, it, well no, because be. her use of her powers earlier on is much greater like snapping a guy's neck just by twitching your head. Um, I would say along those lines, though, they needed to bring her back to the group, and that's what that scene served was her coming back oh, to the group. Oh, sure, yeah. But I don't know that you necessarily had to use that, other than to pay off your Chekhov's gun that you set up, which... The, uh, the, the bully cliffside. being the gun, you mean? No, it's the cliffside. Oh, I see. Because in the, I think it's in the very first episode, the sheriff's on that edge of the cliff turns and says, no, you know, don't go falling off. I don't want you to kill yourself. He's like, I'd survive the fall. No, falling like that would kill you. So, I mean, like this whole, you know, eight lines the of sim- dialogue. The, yeah. For, for those uh, listening who haven't been through film 101 or whatever, uh, explain Chekhov's gun real quick in 30 seconds or less. Chekhov's gun is the rule that you don't show anything or you don't do anything on the screen that's not going to have a payoff later. Um, if you show a gun, you need to... That gun needs to be fired. It needs to be fired. And if you really want a great uh, explanation of it, you should go watch, I believe it's an SNL skit or something about Chekhov's gun. Just find a YouTube thing. Um, uh, what's the show where they... The old uh, Antique Roadshow. Chekhov's gun and the antique roadshow. <laughs> Go watch that; it's hilarious. Okay. And I'm, while you're I'm at in. it, I'm uh, in. I've got about a thousand other YouTube clips I could recommend for you. <laughs> I, I and I guess with with for me the the thing that I didn't like um, about the about the show um, about the series was that there were there were certain things that attempted to be homage, but for me didn't make it. Um, some of the music that they tried to use, they tried to make it very uh, Jean-Michel Gere, um, uh, Harold Faltemeyer. I kind of already mentioned his name earlier. That they were they were trying to insert some of those things. Stop name dropping, Todd. And well, they were all friends of mine, um, or at <laughs> least they, they were late night listening on my vinyl LPs. Um, when you're so old. <laughs> when, <laughs> when when it, it it just sometimes it just didn't work for me and I listened to those now when they turned on the when they turned on the AM radio in the car and they were listening to Journey or Def Leppard or something like that that worked for me um, but but some of the music that was that was thrown into the background um, 
I just I was kind of like, yeah, you're trying to make this sound like it came from the '80s when I know it didn't come from the so, '80s. So answer me this, people who grew up in the '80s, uh, did anyone actually go see the thing? Or did that become a cult classic later? And by extension, what I'm asking is, would any kid have a poster from The Thing up in his I did. bedroom? You had a poster of The Thing in your bedroom when you were 10? Uh, no, when I was 14. That's weird, man. And That's I, weird. And I read, the, I read the book and I saw the film. I watched the film when I was a kid. All right. Yeah, with a bunch of buddies. But I don't it, think it, I would have ever had a poster. Well, that answers that question. Well, I, I was I was the science fiction geek. These were. these kids in the show truly were disturbed. <laughs> that was one of the things that they did exceptionally well was showing how committed those kids were, not just to each other, but to their geekdom, um, to, to the AV club, to Dungeons and Dragons, to the science fair. Yeah. I mean, literally, as I watch that, I'm sitting there and I'm like, that was me and Mark and TJ and a couple of others that we roped in along the way. We, we, did, we played D&D &D on Friday nights into Saturday mornings, watched Friday night videos because none of us had MTV. Oh, until Mark got it. I mean, it was ex yeah. I, I watched that and I was just saying, this, is, this, was, my, this was my life. Yeah, you know, minus the government experimentation and... We're I, still not sure on that. I can neither <laughs> confirm nor <laughs> deny. Um, my dad did work for an organization that had government contracts, so we'll kind of leave that alone. Nice. Uh, all right. Uh, Ryan, do you have other things you want to bring up? Uh, on the good side, maybe? Uh, well, on the good side, I'm... You're so negative, man. You're so negative. Stop bringing us down. Gosh, man. No, I'm, gonna, so I'm just going to throw this out there. It's not a discussion point. Every time the show started, I wanted to watch Tron. Oh, oh the, yeah, the uh, the old 1980s. Yep, the soundtrack. You mean or the the opening credits? The opening yep. credits. I and yeah, it's just it just now made me want to watch. I Tron. did every. Did yeah, it make you want to watch Tron or the Tron Legacy? No, no Tron. Tron. Oh, okay, yeah. Tron. the 1980s. Just checking. You know, <laughs> bit and yeah, everybody. with those cool red and blue neons. Yeah, Mrs. Wheeler was hot. I just want to say it. Uh, which one was Mrs. Wheeler? Uh, the kid's mom, Mike's mom. Uh, Mike and Nancy's mom. Oh, she, oh, not Winona Ryder. Not, not Winona. Yeah. Ryder. Oh, mom, not Cara Buono. There you go. She okay, whatever. Well, she was very attractive. Okay, so the parents in this—that's weird. I, I have to give. <laughs> what an odd, my wife is going to listen to this. What and an say, odd what the thing. Heck? What an odd thing to say. I have to give props to, no pun intended, the costume department. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> Thank you. No pun intended. Um, you know, I. I was very young in the 80s, and I don't remember a ton of the fashion of there, but I actually believe that the, especially the parents in this, were costumed and makeup and everything to be 80s parents. The, and they did a wonderful job. That dad with the big, you know, the Coke, uh, oh, Coke bottle is, glasses. Yeah, easy. The <laughs> <laughs> easy. <laughs> the Todd looking guy. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I had the Coke bottle glasses back in the 80s. And his his attitude the whole time of That's, just this father coming home like, um, I, I went to work today provided I don't need to worry about what's going on here. Everything will, you know, the kids will be kids or whatever. I, I was like, this this legitimately seems to me like what I would expect if I were to step into a home like this in the 80s. That was, was a very, it was pretty doggone close. Yeah, that was a very 80s home. <laughs> yeah. And I made you a casserole. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it's like, yeah, okay. All right, there we go. So I, I want to mention one other thing, something that's been kind of, um, that I've been annoyed with, but only because I've made a point to learn a little bit about this subject lately. And so I'm not actually mad at anybody, but uh, but uh, Here the MacGuffin. Comes. Here it comes. No, no, no. I The MacGuffin. You keep hearing, and we have mentioned the MacGuffin uh, mm. with, in a few stories and it's a it's a thing you see it all the time film uh, 101 everybody yeah exactly film 101 yeah. but there is no macguffin in this show and i i want to yeah. point out why the kid is not a macguffin a macguffin is an inconsequential story piece that gets the story rolling but then declines in importance or maybe even disappears so if go back to the 80s if you're watching indiana jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark, the golden idol at the beginning of the show, yeah. that's a MacGuffin. But the Ark is not a MacGuffin. Right. And so, anyway, it's 
I think that's one of the things that makes this story work the way that it does is that they don't abandon anything. uh, Things that are important stay important throughout the show. Would you guys agree with that? I'm trying to. Did you care about the kid? I'm trying to trying to think of places where you're wrong. Yeah, I mean the kid was. I I did think that it was interesting that we only saw this kid for all of five or ten minutes at the beginning of the first episode, and then he disappears and we don't see him again until you know maybe through the wall once and then right. uh in flashback maybe but you know but we don't really see a lot of him until, until the very the end. end but why would so why would you say that's not a macguffin um because he doesn't decline in importance even if his character isn't on screen as much even if you know the the camera isn't paying as much attention to him the whole story revolves around getting him back Right, and so he's not—he's not the idol from the beginning of Indiana Jones. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I see. I have you convinced. I—the only reason that I'm—the only thing that I might argue a little bit on that is that this shit. The, there's a <laughs> nice. <laughs> well done. <laughs> the shit. <laughs> there's a shift in focus. It's not necessarily that it changes his importance. But there's a shift in what the focus is. The m- probably middle three episodes or so, it's you're following them trying to figure out how to destroy the monster, how to capture the monster, whatever. And it's less about trying to get to him. It's like, let's destroy the monster and then we'll get to him. Yeah. Um, so he does, I mean, in that sense, the importance of getting him back takes a back seat. He becomes it secondary. Okay. I, I, but, I, but I think part of the reason, that and again, it's part of the storytelling Everyone's convinced he's dead. Everyone's convinced that he was dead. It wasn't until we got to about the about the end of or maybe the middle of episode three that even the chief of police was changed uh, his mind that the kid was alive because mm-hmm. everyone else in town except his mom was convinced that he was dead. So the yeah. the the motive for saving him didn't exist. It was the motive of revenge. Um, it wasn't until they figured out, oh, wait, no, he is alive and we do need to save him, that it shifts again. And so I, 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 think, I, from that, that. I think from that standpoint, you know, we could say that, yeah, he may, there, there's, a, there's, an interesting, there's an interesting story that is being told where he is not present through the whole thing, but he drives the entire story. And it's just what everybody else is responding to about, his, about what's going on with our, what we know about him. See, I think, but I think that point would make the point of him being the MacGuffin because it's not about getting him back after everyone thinks he's dead. It's about getting revenge, like you said. He declines in importance until they realize, oh, he's not dead. If that golden idol appeared again in Indiana Jones... Then it wouldn't be a MacGuffin. Yeah. Yeah. So he was a MacGuffin for the first three episodes, and then by episode four, when they decide to get him back, he's no longer the MacGuffin. Eh, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> and that's, that's the we, thing. We've overused our yeah. the word MacGuffin. Exactly. In I researching, think MacGuffin became the MacGuffin. Yeah, in exactly. This exactly. Which, MacGyver's coming back to television. Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, please bless. Richard oh. Dean Anderson or just the concept of MacGyver? Just the concept. I would. I love MacGyver. So what's coming up? That was in the 80s too, you I'm know. I'm moving on. Uh, what's yeah. what's yeah. coming up for season two? The 18th? Um, well, okay. So I do want to talk about season two. Uh, this is kind of my final thought, and maybe we can do some of your final thoughts as well if I feel generous after this. But uh, season two, we are we have been promised a season two. Mm-hmm. I am incredibly nervous for that. I don't see how you follow this up unless you get seriously the most talented screenwriter you can find in the world. Uh, I guess it just feels like this was really well contained. And I know it left it open, but I, I don't I don't care. Well, in the spirit of all things going. 80s, it does deserve a sequel. Um, so for me, I think that the the best way to follow if, if they're listening in, uh, as J.J. Abrams was when we talked about the importance of making sure that your stormtrooper rifles are different than the original ones. Right. Um, I think that I I would suggest that the best thing they can do is go to a very different kind of stranger things going on, whether it happens in Hawkins or it happens someplace else where we follow a character when they move. It has to be a different stranger things. I I could see that working in the way that uh, American Horror Story 
does yes. Yes. things. I, I don't much care for that show. It's not my cup of tea. But no. one thing that I do like is every season is a totally different story. Even if they recycle some of the actors, they're playing totally different parts. And, and in this one, if, if we keep going back to that same land which they've done a wonderful job of setting the stage to do. And I think that that would be a really fun story to come back to like will 10 years later when he figures out Mm -hmm. that he keeps going back and forth between the two dimensions. Um, That would, that would be fun, but I don't think they need to do it in this next season. I think they need to. And when they said stranger things, it leaves me hoping that they're going to explore other kinds of strange things that can be going on that science caused. And they have ramifications and that the rest of us have to deal with. I, nope. uh, I, were you going to say something, nope. Ryan? No. Nope. Yes. <laughs> You're all wrong. Oh boy. Here we go. Uh, and here's why. You've, all, you've already read their script, their screenwriting. Are you the screenwriter? One, we did not see the head of the scientific organization actually die. We saw him get attacked. We did not see him die. And in all things 80s, he becomes the, the body, monster. We know that the kid is carrying some sort of spore or something. And the portal is not closed. Season two, if they're going to try and wrap this up a little bit more, is going to be about closing the portal. Ugh. Yeah. I, I just, I don't know. There, so I've recently uh, wrapped up season four of another show, Orphan Black. Great show. It's on BBC America. I highly recommend that you watch it with this caveat. It really lost its way. They they are renewed for a fifth and final season, but the show was incredibly good for two seasons or so. It had a really clever con- concept. It's all about this woman who finds out she's a clone, and then she has to go on the hunt for these people who are experimenting on her and her clone sisters. Uh, it's really interesting, but they suffer from this thing, which is, and it, it's super common in TV especially, which is, Every time you thwart the bad guy, it turns out there was a bigger, badder bad guy behind him. That's exactly what. And I was it gets say, yeah. really tiresome after a while. Uh, and I would fear that Stranger Things, if it continues down the path that Ryan is talking about, not that it has to, but it, that it could easily fall into the trap of uh, bigger, you know bigger, badder yeah. guy behind the big bad guy, like as X Files, like X Files, as there I like to call it, the Curse of More. So it's it's got to be bigger. It's got to be more sinister. It's got to right. be scarier. So Doctor, we haven't seen who Doctor Brenner answers to, and all of a sudden, maybe Doctor Brenner wasn't the sinister bad guy we thought he was. Maybe there's something more. I don't know. My so my guess, if, <coughs> excuse me, based on this, is that the being the portal is open, and we've already seen with the boy in the bathroom that there's a kind of a bounce that he's bouncing between the two worlds, and I would expect to see that our world and the other world start to become more one and their reality becomes that. So they have to close the portal to prevent that dimension from shifting into ours because of the tear. That's a possibility. It's not necessarily that there will be a bigger monster. I think he'll probably, with the little spores he was going, that they may be creating more of the same monster. And we've already seen and one see egg him. broken open mm-hmm. along the way. And we saw Barb's body consumed by one of the creatures that was now creating it that is that is growing so i think we're going to see all kinds of things i would expect to see more of the monster there are more i I guess i was just thinking that was an alien shot it was was very it was an homage to the alien but the hose right in his mouth but that was the but that's that's as i as i watch it that's that's how the reproductive cycle works for these things but i guess but you know that is kind of a hopeful note because Alien did beget Aliens, which was probably better than Alien. It was way cool. Might have been the best Aliens was science awesome. feature I, suspense horror film of the 80s. My expectation is that this will probably suffer the same thing that Daredevil did. Season two of Daredevil was good, but, but it, not, didn't, it didn't have the same power one. of season yeah. one. And it's mainly because... <laughs> Todd, you look so surprised right now. Oh, yeah. Season two <sighs> was not nearly as good as season one, Todd. I think no. season two season, was season one was better, and the part of it is just it's the it's the, the expectation and novelty. That first season of Daredevil, we'd never had anything like this before. It was new. It was fantastic. Second season, we're like, okay, can you live up to this? This will probably suffer from a very similar deal, where it's like this first one was so incredible. Uh, what can you do? You know, how can you top this? Yeah. So and even we'll if, just come in with we're not going to try and top it. We're going to try and tell you a different story, and you'll yeah. just feel like you're going. 
okay it wasn't the first one but it wasn't bad i i would imagine they'd make like a seven or an eight and we're like well hang on you made a nine come on we wanted a nine anyway mm-hmm. I, that, yeah, I think well, you're right and there's, hey there's another discussion there's the other so question right she's now. 11 11 where's yeah. one through 10 and is there an 11 is there 12 through 20 yeah so there are other experiments we're building to a giant there. creature versus the 11 children oh. war yeah so basically this is twilight is that what you're telling me? It's going to become mm, I Am Number no. 4. <laughs> yeah, there you go. The Lord All right. Is. There are several other 80s movies that it reminds quick, me of. Quick final thoughts. I'm, I'm good with mine. That was my final thought, but we do need to wrap up. So ready, set, go. Ken. I, I will say familiarity is the probably the biggest reason why sequels do not work as well as the original. And with, with very few exceptions that we have. I mean, Empire Strikes Back was better than Star Wars. Toy Story 2 was better than Toy Story. But it'll be interesting to see if they can figure out a way to make the story better and engaging and not just go, eh, it's not as good and turn people off. I'm, right. I'm interested to see how that goes. I actually expect that this has already been written in three parts. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Act one, act two, act three. We've seen act one. It was fantastic. I, that's my expectation is that this is a three-parter. And, and if that's the case, like act, two act two is two usually, the, darker. S- usually yeah. the slow, dark one, and then act three will be the mind blower. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So, Todd, final thoughts? I enjoyed it enough that I've recommended it to just about everyone that I've talked to. Yeah. Um, I was pretty sure that you were the last one in the world to see it. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much for helping me with that. My and, dad still hasn't seen it. And, no. I, and, and I am... Ken, don't um, tell me your dad's dead, please. I am very afraid oh, of okay. flickering lights. So there you go. All right. Uh, well, good. I, I hope everybody listening also enjoyed Stranger Things. Uh, I know we sure did, but not nearly as much as we're all enjoying the Stormlight Archives. So join oh. us next week oh, yeah. as we talk about Stormlight Archives. This is It's going to be a little bit uh, interesting because I will be the one, out of, out of me and Ryan, I will be the one who has read this for the first time. And so Ryan will be guiding this discussion. Probably, Prepare to go nowhere fast. Yeah, I was going to say really poorly, <laughs> we're assuming. Uh, but yeah, Stormlight Archive by Brandon Sanderson is coming up next week. I uh, hope you will all join us for that. If you haven't read it yet, you have one week. You read parts to one read. and two. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Parts one and parts two for one next two. week. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I, I have finished parts one and two. And I got to say, um, parts one and two, not as exciting, but such great setup. Man, there's it's a lot of names. It's such great setup. Anyway. <sighs> There is a lot of good exciting in parts one and two. We will uh, stuff. We'll talk I, about it next week. There is one more thing that I want to talk about, and that's No Man's Sky, the new video game. It's a PS4 exclusive, uh, which I do recommend people pick up if it is convenient and not too much of a budget breaker for you. But <laughs> I, we won't, I, I do want to talk about that, but we're going to talk about that uh, sort of off the air. We're going to make this our exclusive clip uh, there will be about five or ten minutes that you can listen to if you are a $3 donor on patreon.com slash legendarium. So patreon.com slash legendarium. Uh, donate $3 per episode, and that puts you in the category where you get access to these extra clips that we'll put on there. And I'll give you guys all my my uh, two cents on No Man's Sky. And uh, we will see a few of you there. If you have recommendations or questions or things you'd like us to discuss in those time periods, I would recommend sending those to us through Facebook. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Okay, guys, thanks for coming in. Thanks for all watching Stranger Things. And uh, I'll see you guys next week.